0: Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon community.
1: This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings.
0: I'm Kovar.
1: And I'm Kukita Keori. And what do we have today?
0: We have, in this episode, we're going to be looking at Battle of Cherry Blossom Snow, Part 3, by Robert Denton III. Yep,
1: yeah, we do have a little bit of news. Um, unfortunately... Or fortunately, depending on where you're at, uh, the costume contest that was part of the ending event celebration for the line that was going to go on um, has been canceled. Uh, FFG... Posted a note, in light of recent events that have affected the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, we have decided not to move forward with hosting a costume contest whose submissions could be considered offensive or inappropriate to certain groups. We stand in solidarity with the broader AAPI community and are committed to ensuring everyone feels welcome and safe in our gaming and social media spaces. This decision was received with uh, a good amount of uh, celebration uh, from the Asian American community. Um, some disappointment in some parts. I think I think in all the times I've seen cosplay done for um, l five r, it has generally been done with the intention internally uh, of, of respect. And it hasn't been done, certainly from a place of uh, malice or, or anything like that. But when you start opening things up, not to the, like the most dedicated players, you know, at a at a con, but maybe to a very broad community, you can see, especially as I said, in light of current events, that people could get carried away in very inappropriate fashions and even if these entries were sent to ffg uh, and ffg chose not to post any such entries people would be posting it on their own facebook and yeah or instagram and and linking it to the contest and that's not a good look for L5R for FFG or anything else. So yeah. it's it's disappointing, yeah, especially in light of the fan fiction contest not going through because of um, legal issues. I think if it hadn't been for current events, it might have gone through, as I said, because past contests have all generally been pretty uh, respectful and in the spirit of... You know, anime costuming and everything else that is universal and well-accepted. But you can see why they did that. I I do appreciate that they are trying yeah. fun things for the community to do here at the end. Um, as far as I know, the art contest is still going on. Um, I don't know if that's going to continue or if legal will find something problematic with that. And, uh... If you had worked on your costume, you will always have it for the next LARP or other events that, that might come along.
0: Just swanning about home? Yeah. <laughs> cosplay can be for whenever.
1: <laughs> yes. All right. What else do we have?
0: Okay. So we now know the second round results of the voting. Mm-hmm. And they're all pretty close, except for one of them, which is interesting. So... Shiba Tsukune beat out Hida Oushi fifty five percent to forty five percent, which I was a little surprised about actually, but because I, I I thought I thought Hida Oushi like had that big fan base, but it looks like Tsukune is just edging ahead. So there you go. We also had Togashi Yokuni versus Bayushi Yojiro, and that was actually the one that was that that's the biggest margin because he. Uh, Togashi Yokuni got sixty-four percent of the vote, so that's actually quite a big disparity there. So I think I think a lot of people kind of like wanting to see what's going on with Togashi Yokuni and uh, like please tell us more. So they vote for him, I guess. Then uh Yoritomo versus Daidodi Uji was fifty-three percent for the mantis champion versus forty-seven percent for the Daidoji Daimyo. So that was actually pretty close. And then finally you get Katsuo the peasant versus Matsutsuko. And that was 56% to 45%, which is kind of like the second biggest divide between the two, but still pretty close. Mm. I think that, yeah, things are, things are getting really, really close. So,
1: the final rounds of voting will be then uh, Sukune versus, uh, Shiba Sukune versus uh, Togashi Yakune and Katsuo versus Yoritomo. So that is happening now. So get your... Get your votes in. Um
0: get your voting fingers primed.
1: And we will see uh who takes down a mountain. Mm. I have my bets, but
0: Oh, how did your voting go? I got uh-huh. 3 out of 4 went my mm. way. No, that's not that's 2. Two, that's ice, 2 out of 4. 50%. I got
1: 50%. I got 2 out of 4.
0: But. Perhaps we should not mention which, which two and which four. <laughs> well, we know which four the, 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 the four, We just told you what the four are, but we, yeah, which, which two we got, which two we didn't get. Uh.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I am sure the writers will do a good job with whoever wins. I think... I. I do think that Matsusuko would have made the best story arc um, for across the whole storyline. Um, so... So she's out, but that's okay. There can be many, many good things in what's yeah, absolutely. All right. So now we have the Bessel of cherry blossom snow, chapter three. Um, so this is again by Robert Denton the who is churning things out uh, like uh, a madman. <laughs> this is set. On the 14th of Tagashi, So this is the same day as the previous story ended on. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's where we're at. Um, okay. I'll start it out. Because a lot of things happen in this story to a lot of different yeah. people. In the Temple of Fulang, Asakusuki confirms the scroll that she, the Nizumi spike in the gut... An elemental Master of Earth, Isawa Tadaka, have found, is indeed the scroll detailing what happened on the first day of thunder and how to defeat Fulang once and for all. It is a prophecy foretelling a second day of thunder. They are confronted with the undead form of Isawa Akuma, the one who gave his name centuries ago to Akuma no Oni, and is now a part of it. Tadaka gives Suki the porcelain mask that will allow her to pass Unseen and his remaining jade so that she and Spike in the Gut can make it back to the Empire while he faces Akuma.
0: Meanwhile, near Cherry Blossom Snow Lake, the Shatalans have broken through the lines and all is now chaos. Shiba the champion of the phoenix, fights along Hida Oushi. A Kamakari Zaka, which is an armored windblade demon, strikes which seriously injures Oushi, before Tsukune is able to use Ofushikai, the Astral Sword of the Phoenix, to defeat it, Oishi gives Tsukune her remaining jade, including the, that in the head of her warhammer, and refers to Akuma as a kaiju. <laughs> At the same time, the peasant Katsuo has lost his unit, which has got scattered by an Oni attack. Hideyakomo gives Katsuo the katana of a fallen samurai in place of his shattered spear which enrages the injured Matsutsuko, as this is in violation of Imperial Edict. However, as Katsuo stands up to her attack, barely, she grudgingly accepts him. And the three of them are going to form the basis of a new impromptu vanguard.
1: Meanwhile, (laughs) Mantis Champion Yoritomo holds the pass against waves of goblins when a unit of daidoji appear led by the daidoji daimyo daidoji uji they fight side by side despite precisely zero trust between them and they also exchange opinions about the mantis which we'll talk about later the injured uji gives yoritomo a sangusuri um a magic item that will deflect a single fatal blow and challenges Yoritomo to prove his deeds with words. And Bayushi Yojiro, who is the newest Scorpion Clan champion and recently teleported into the battle, makes his way to the War Council Tent that includes Hida Sukune, Commander of the Crab, and Tagashi Yukune, the champion of the Dragon Clan. Uh, Yujira reveals that Akuma no Oni can cloud men's minds, making it hard to find him and thus defeat him. He declares the Scorpion Clan disavows former champion Bayushi Shouju and offers up the Yogo Jite, which, among other things, reveals the lies of the Shadowlands, Nobody particularly trusts him, given choju's recent actions, but Tadashi Yukuni steps up and offers the dragon clan to vouch for the scorpion clan, tying the fate of them both together and accepts the Jite. a
0: lot of stuff happening mm mm-hmm. i and you can really see this is really down to the you can see like these are literally the results kind of happening uh from the the previous round of results i always i just loved the two side by side battles like like uh, Tsukune and Oushi fighting literally back to back, and you could—I just don't think you could imagine two more different people desperately having to rely on each other in the middle of a combat. And I thought that was really, really neat. There's just a, a lovely kind of juxtaposition.
1: Oh, I could imagine and two same, two attack. more different. Yeah, I could find imagine two even <laughs> sorry, more sorry. different people fighting back to back, and that would be Uji and Yurito. <laughs> Also they're actually very
0: similar in their own ways. Yeah, they have they have a lot of similarities in their own ways. And they're both like expert fighters and 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 so the that kind of thing, whereas you don't really see that with Sukuna. You don't really associate that with her like you do with the Uushi, Ushi, who's like the but, big kind of brick. But, but I, she's I just, also I just a teenage
1: girl. They're both teenage yeah, girls.
0: Yeah, there is that. Yeah, I I I just I just totally love that. They're both very in, in a way, you can kind of say that oh, yeah, two people fight side by side and learn stuff about each other, but those two scenes are both very different and they're both very cool in their own way. Mm-hmm. I just some some great scenes in this, I thought it was really great.
1: But we have lower nuggets,
0: right? So we do, we have quite a lot actually. Right when they're discovering and verifying the scroll in the Temple of Fuleng, uh, Asokutsuki mentions the Asoko family ciphers, which is a unique writing system, a unique cipher of the Asoko family, which presumably is very old because obviously, you know, is written round about the first day of thunder. Uh, So it's interesting that these still exist. And admittedly, Tsuki is a bit of a nerd, a little (laughs) tiny bit. So it's entirely reasonable that she would know these things. I mean, this is kind of like reading something from, you know, the 10 hundreds, like reading classical. This is probably in modern day, you'd be reading classical Japanese, classical Japanese or classical Chinese and in a cipher. So it's not even a thousand years old language. It's in a cipher, but so she can read it, which is really cool.
1: a she's a nerdy bookish librarian that somehow is...
0: (laughs) In the middle of the Shadowlands. (laughs) What am I doing here? I want to go back home. But then she's probably going, oh, I get to read some really ancient ciphers. This is so cool. (laughs) She also mentions that Kuni's stamp and Togashi's seal are on this document, which implies that those things have been around for a very long time. Which, admittedly, in real life, I mean, uh, chops and stamps and seals and things have been used in Japanese and Chinese documents for thousands of years. So it's not that unreasonable. Uh, modern day, there's a, a, in Japan, you use a hanko to stamp your documents, and it's like a signet ring or your signature. Mm-hmm. And so it's clear that's been used for a long time.
1: Right. So Japan. And this is, you know, talking about real worlds again. It started out as a hunter gatherer society. Um, and was that for a very, very long time? You know, even that began late because of it being an island. People came late to that part of the world. Uh, you could see a Rokugan that was much more hunter gatherer at the time that the kami came, and some of the portrayals we have actually have. A con
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the right. the
1: kami coming to a hunter gatherer society, but this implies that seals and ciphers and writing and so on exist even in this very very early society, which is which is fine. It just is. If I have played in a uh, Arrival of the Kami RPG.
0: Mm. Yeah yeah yeah. So
1: if you want to do that, you can have that information.
0: I mean, it's kind of stated in in new law at least that there was already a writing system that was gained from the land of four rivers, which isn't really we don't know much about it other than it's, it, it's or it was in the north or at least that's where they that's where the the contact was made was in the north. And so the land of Four Rivers is where they got their writing system from, but we don't know much about that. So clearly that's been around for a while.
1: Yeah. It says that um, if they had decided to turn the Tainted Daimyo in – Tadaka's had swam at the possibilities of what would have happened if he hadn't. So, what he's what is being referred to here is what if a different story decision had been made? So, as a reminder, uh, whether or not to turn in Yori was a story decision determined by votes made by Hadamotos in the LCG. Hatamotos being high level winning players who had won specific kinds of tournaments. And so the question was should Tadaka turn in Kuniyori to the crab champion which was the path of humility or should he go with Kuniyori and learn what he knows and that was the path of courage and the story vote the one was the path of courage and if that hadn't happened then they would not be here doing this
0: Yeah 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 so who knows what might have happened um, so, the, yeah, the, the, it means that the story decisions that people are making really do have impact, which I think is really cool. Yeah. The scroll I actually pick up refers to Shinsei's plan to buy time for the next day of Thunder, which is fairly well known to people who remember old Law, where the second day of Thunder was coming up. In old 5R, this was a cyclical thing. It would come around every thousand years or so. But... This is not referring to a cycle, this is referring to Togashi's duel, which is an element from the very early days of the Empire. You have the tournament of the kami, where they decide who, in fact, is going to rule Rock again, and that ends up being Hunte. But Togashi didn't take part, because he knew what was going to happen. Later on, the Shadowlands invades with a horde of monsters, and then it turns out that it's their long-lost brother, who they thought was dead, Fuleng. And he says, why wasn't I invited to the tournament? And It's because, well, we thought you were dead. Well, I'm here now. And then Hante declares that Togashi is his champion for the tournament. Fuleng says, choose your weapon. And Togashi says, everything that lives in rock again. And what this scroll is saying is that this is all a setup. And the original First Day of Thunder is all a setup making time for togashi's duel which is going to be the second day of thunder which means it might not be a cyclical thing anymore this may be first day of thunder second day of thunder done
1: challenge focus strike yeah this has all been the last thousand years has all been them focusing potentially.
0: Yeah, pretty much this is this is the long stare down with, all, with the music getting bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. raining and cherry blossoms and all that kind of stuff
1: uh, yeah, in a sort of strange way. But uh, <laughs> in order to know when the strike is coming, uh, Shinsai leaves some prophecies for the people of Rokugan to let them know when when the strike is about to occur. And uh, those prophecies are that the elements would fall out of balance. So this is the elemental imbalance that is occurring in the Empire. The next one is a lost general will rise from death. So there, this one, who this could be varies. You could read this as someone like Motosume or even Akuma no Oni as being general of the Shadowlands. Um, they literally rising from the dead. It could be akoto Arasu, you know, because we've seen his spirit and maybe that was something else. My favorite interpretation of this, personally, is Okoto uh, Totori. Yeah. Because he is a general who died. Yeah. Went missing. He did die. Kaidi brought him back. Went missing, and now he's back. But it could be any of those. We've had a variety of generals rising from death.
0: Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, it it could also, if you really want to go crazy, you could claim it's um... – Matsu.
1: Matsu yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone
0: assumed that, you know, when and Kikita got exploded, well, she must have died, but apparently no. So, but I, I, a Koda Tuturi fits it really well, I have to say.
1: So, uh, any of those are true. You can uh, prove that philosophy four ways. Um, it being lost does make it Motozume, but because he is one of the lost, that's the old unicorn um, general. Of the Moto, who rode out into the Shadowlands to go fight it and died and has come back as a Revenant, as a general of the Shadowlands armies. We shall see if he pops up more on the radar. We we know that he is extant in the studying just from the RPG, but he hasn't been mentioned in anything in the storyline so far. And then it says that uh, Ahante would be slain by his own blood. Well, Hante Joden was killed by his son, Hante Soteri so that certainly has happened.
0: That does seem to, to fit. I was almost thinking, he was. He seemed a lot frailer than his age seemed to make sense. So mm-hmm. you're like, did he have a progressive blood disease? But then he got stabbed. So it, either way, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> the other aspects of the prophecy that were given, those he trusted would betray his legacy, referring to Hante. That sounds very much like Bayushi showed you claiming the throne by force and allying with the Shadowlands in quotes because that's all a ploy. Mm-hmm. So that that feels very much right. There, the dragons will abandon the Heartland. Whether that means the dragon armies leaving the mountains, which is a thing they don't do very often, and pre- and pretty much. Every every part of the dragon army, is my understanding, left the dragon heartlands. So that does sound like it would fit. Does it mean a, something a bit more um, like the elemental dragons? But th- I don't think we've seen anything to do with that. So,
1: or it could be tagashi himself. It could
0: be tagashi himself. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And finally, you have siblings will draw blades against each other, which could just mean the general civil war that's been going on. You have problems with the lion, you have problems with the crane, unicorn stuff like that. But the most obvious one is Hotaru and Kuanan drawing against each other in the duel, and Kuanan actually quite badly injuring Hotaru. Mm-hmm. That would seem to be the obvious one. So those things all seem to be happening.
1: Right. So all these aspects of the prophecies can be read as something that is going on now. Mm. Cool. It's time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go. This uh, it says that this will determine the fate of a thousand years. So, if this is cyclical, which it could be, it's not doesn't have to be. Um, it, it it's a thousand year cycle. However, it also can be uh, generic. You know we use. 1,000 years, the way we we use millennium. If something happens once in a millennium, it doesn't mean it's going to happen once every 1,000 years. It means it's a time longer than our understanding of change, you know, of, of the change of time.
0: It's long enough that I can't see the end of it kind of feeling. It's not a specific number, really. Yeah. It's a long time.
1: Right. And even if it was not like some sort of periodicity, in, in the cycles. And there's an, reasons why it could be periodic in the cycles too. But even if it weren't, right, Shinsei is not going to say it's going to be it for the rest of time. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's You know, he's, you know, humans will, will survive. There's a, there's hope in it being uh, resolved for the fate of a thousand years in case it goes red. Just a thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. When we meet Isawa Akuma, or at least his mortal remains. He is somewhat crystallized, which is an interesting touch given that he's Master of Earth or Mm -hmm. was Master of Earth way back when. So that's an interesting thing that's happened to and has three eyes like Akuma no Oni has three eyes. So he claims to have led Tadaka here for his own dark purposes. And the implication is that killing the physical form of the person who gave the Oni its name is going to weaken or possibly kill the oni. I think I think that's new. I don't think that's been part of old law.
1: At least not that you have to kill them both together. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. The the implication I always got was that if you gave your name to an oni and it it took you over completely, then you died and your body just was gone or it was just a dead body and the oni was now its own thing. Mhm. But it, at least in this particular case, you have the physical body still wandering about and being important. So that that's an interesting change, interesting touch. So that could be uh, an interesting development. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I really like that change, actually, because if this if you have this idea where you have to kill the man and it weakens the Oni, or you have to kill the man and the Oni, what that does is it gives you a place as a GM, because we're a role-playing game protest – to send your party of PCs to go kill the man to deal with the monster oni problem that's kaijuing all over Rokugan.
0: Yeah, so it could literally be like I mean depending on on how your campaign is, you could end up with a situation where we we can't deal with the huge kaiju oni. Yeah, that has to be the clan champions and, and that kind of stuff. But actually there's this other thing that a group of well, say 4 to 5 you know experienced people
1: Third level people,
0: <laughs> with a with a wide wide variety of skills, uh, maybe they could go deal with that. That sounds like a that's a, a cool thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: that would be a great campaign. So there you go. We have uh, Sukuni's eye. She's complaining about her eye. It hurts. Um, it gives her headaches. She wakes from nightmares, and it's aching. That eye was cursed in the Swords and the Spirits novella, and. It is cursed to see Toshigoku, which is the realm of slaughter, where people who die in wrath and anger spend eternity fighting each other to get it out of their system. Yeah. So that is what it's doing. She doesn't sound like she sees it all the time right now, but it's causing her pain.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good thing. We also meet the Damned, or at least the remains of the Damned, They used to be, and unfortunately we have to now say used to be, they were crab samurai who had become tainted by the Shadowlands. Not badly enough that they were subject to the will of Jigoku and the subject to the will of Fuleng, but enough that they were quite close. But they still were useful. And so they were kept separately in in the barracks of the damned with a very close watch by Kuni Shugenja. And they would be used against the Shadowlands as basically disposable shock troops because very often they actually were made stronger by the taint. So that became useful. Unfortunately, and this is possibly our fault, the, the forces of Akuma Oni overran the barracks of the damned and they now have become lost samurai. And so they are now on the side of Akuma Oni.
1: <laughs> yep. Let's see. Uh su- uh, Shibusakuna thinks about her brother. Um, well, the evil spirits kind of force her to think about her brother and how she should have died instead of him. In yeah. he died in an accident in old lore. He was crushed by a, a falling horse um, when she was young, and yeah. she and her brother were used as the example in early RPG books of a karmic tie of a link or being closely tied to another person, uh, on a spiritual level. Uh, she had been twin souled or a karmic tied to her brother. And when he died, his death wounded her extremely deeply. Um, she basically went without talking or doing anything for a year. And, uh, Part of the reason that she, in old lore, studied at the um, Akota War College Mm -hmm. for a while is because she was being sent away to try and um, heal her and get her away from her current, you know, what had happened. Um, So that was, that's why she carries so much guilt about this, is this very deep tie to her brother.
0: We also uh, have mention of an armoured windblade demon, which is referred to here as uh, Kamakirizaka, which is described as a kind of amalgam of uh, a mantis and a spider and spikes.
1: (laughs) And hands coming out.
0: (laughs) And Yeah, it's just just unpleasant. Uh, It's (laughs) got an impenetrable shell, which is unfortunate when you're trying to uh, kill it before it kills the person you're fighting next to. (laughs) <laughs> it ends up uh, very badly injuring Hida Ushi, and Tsukune is only able to defeat it by using uh, her ancestral sword, Ofushikai, mm-hmm. and specifically using its ability to immediately come to her hand. So she kind of Mjolnirs it <laughs> at a point where the demon was in between it and her. So it kind of went, sure, I'll come straight to your hand through this demon. <laughs> she's not very good for the demon poor thing
1: yeah just make sure you're not in the wrong part of the battlefield when she calls for
0: absolutely yes make a make a make a path
1: <laughs> get out of the way in this story we hear the first time in all of alfavar i believe the term kaiju so kaiju is for those you know familiar with uh, Pacific Rim and all kinds of things like that. Uh, it's used today for monsters like Godzilla and Mothra, And here they use it as a, a term for giant legendary creatures. So that was a term that had not been in L5R use before this. But uh, it makes sense. There's some pretty big monsters out there in the Shadowlands. You know, like the size of hills. There's the Great Kumo. There's a kumano oni. There's a monster that looks like, as I said, a giant hill.
0: Yeah, just a, just a hill. A, it's just a mountain. Yeah, basically, it's a hill that moves around occasionally.
1: Uh huh. So, so r Rokugans definitely has kaiju. So now we have a term to to call them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I suspect there's going to be a, the next story beat is going to be very important that Sukune is taking. Jade, specifically Oishi's jade beads and the jade in the head of her warhammer. So I suspect that's going to be terribly important going forward
1: mm-hmm.
0: regardless of how, of how the voting goes.
1: <laughs> uh, they're getting all the components together for for this fight. In our different scene with Katsuo and Yakumo and Matsusuko, uh Katsuo is remembering. His girlfriend, who he says uh, she sent him off just a few days before, so that means she's she's still alive, which is good. Yeah. Uh, his girlfriend was Tomoko, so he had rescued her from Karosunai Village, and he also remembers his best friend Shiro, who is also in Kursanai Village, but he he was killed by the Lost before Katsuos eyes. So he's he's remembering those events.
0: Yeah, I do hope this isn't the um, you know, reminiscing right before you get horribly and dramatically and, and tragically killed, but we'll see. I guess, it, <laughs> I guess it's going to depend how the voting goes. Now, meanwhile, uh, speaking of Katsuo, Yakumo hands him the katana of a fallen samurai because his spear has gotten broken. And Matsutsuko is really unhappy about this because she just she happens along at this very moment because commoners are – banned from taking up swords by imperial edict. This is the sword ban.
1: Yep. However, just like in Japan.
0: Just like. like in Japan, certainly in the Edo period, right after the Sengoku Jidai, there was a, a sudden, um, now give your swords up and we're going to make a great big statue of the Buddha and now you're not allowed to wear swords. <laughs> um, it's a bit more complicated than that, but yeah. So this this is a part of L5R which is obviously you know, it's inspired by quite a lot of samurai movies. Some of which are Sengoku mm-hmm. die, some of which are Edo die, and this is one of those bits that's inspired by that. So technically speaking, he should not be picking up a katana, and Yakumo should not be giving him a katana. But Tsuko basically swings at him, and he blocks it, and she goes, close enough, and <laughs> she's kind of fine with it from that point, or at least she accepts it. So this is a, 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 shall we call this a field promotion? And Matsutsuko is kind of giving a very rough kind of genpiku here. You know, are you, are you strong enough? Are you brave enough? Are you fast enough to justify this? And like, fine, we'll do this.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. So at this point, really, uh Yakumo is certainly of a high enough level of samurai to basically make someone a samurai, especially in the crab, you know, especially, especially when he goblin yeah, winner. The yeah, He's I, the son of the champion. Yeah, if, and if, the if, champion if, if, is.:
0: Absolutely. If, if, if Katsuo has killed at least 20 goblins, and it's reasonably likely that he has, there you go. Mm-hmm. Job
1: done. <laughs> so, so basically this is the field promotion. And then they get together and make an impromptu vanguard. So Suko is injured, but she picks up the banner. Yep. That's the most dangerous position of van, bang, vanguard. But what the reason she's lifting the banner is? She's saying, "Everybody who is in this area of the battlefield, come here to this banner, yep. and yep. Uh, we're going to make a, a unit again." It's 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 rough. Because it's like – but if we all come here instead of being off all on your own, we can fight together as yeah. a unit. And that's a that's yeah. rallying the vanguard and that's why you have a banner. You're saying, everybody, I'm here. Everyone come here to this flag. We're all going to go forth as a unit. And so yep. – uh, and Yakimo's proving he has brain here, which is yeah, nice.
0: <laughs> which is nice, yeah. I mean it- – like you say, he's he's given that he's the son of the clan champion, he can get away with a lot of stuff, which in mm-hmm. old Five R at one point meant taking a tetsubo to a katana fight and smashing someone's head in and getting uh, away with it, where most people wouldn't. And
1: Tommy still thinks he cheated he's using there. It for good.
0: <laughs> That's, this is true. This is true, yeah, absolutely. But no one else, everyone else has went. Oh, what can you do? But here he is using using his powers for good, which I think is really neat. Yeah, I like that.
1: The next scene that they have is the uh, is uh, Yoritomo and Uji fighting together. Mm-hmm. So I loved the dynamic of this fight. We talked about it before. But they both, both of them think that the other one will use the cover of the battle, the opportunity of the battle, to rid themselves of a hated enemy. Yeah. Because Yaku, uh, Yoritomo is looking at Uji and says, you know, I've been raiding his fleets. He knows He knows I'm raiding his fleets. He could totally just kill me, and no one would know, and it won't be a problem. And Uji, you don't see what he's thinking, but he's got to be thinking of the, you know, here's a guy who backstabs everybody. I'm a general of the crane. I'm his biggest enemy. He could totally just take me out here. But they're both being super polite about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so much fun. It is just a <laughs> lovely scene. Because it, it contrasts really well with Tsukune and Oushi, who are pals, right? Mm-hmm. They There is absolutely no problem between them. And their finding back to back is great. These two guys really don't like each other, really don't trust each other, but they're really being super polite because that's what you do. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. So much fun. Uji is basically using absolutely all his weapons. It's, it's kind of like, where is he keeping all of these? Never mind, I don't want to know. Uh including one it is referred to as kind of kind of looking a bit gaijin, which is a short blade designed to parry a foreign style blade. I don't it's not specified like where it comes from. Yoritomo says he's got one at home. It's designed to catch short blades in the action of a parry, which is interesting. So we don't know quite what that is, but he's also got loads of little throwing knives, uh, tiny daggers, he's got chains. I mean, he is absolutely just dripping with (laughs) dangerous objects, and he's using all of them.
1: One of the things mentioned that is a reason for strife between the two uh, is how the mantis seized the Keep of the White Sails, or at least one of Yoritomo's captains seized the Keep of the White Sails, which is a... Crane Fortress. This battle was called the Battle of Ice and Snow. We have heard Hataru mention it in her, or at least think about it, because uh, in that battle, she rescued Kachiko. In Old 5R, what happened was that Kachiko arranged with the Mantis to capture a crane fortress and then Kachiko was going to go in as negotiator negotiate for the freedom of the uh, keep of white sails back to the crane in return for all kinds of concessions from the crane going to the mantis and it will all uh, make Kachiko look you know, amazing and make her get to be imperial advisor but this plot went wrong <laughs> And the mantis captain involved decided that he could keep Kachiko as well instead of letting her negotiate the rescue. And Hataru had agreed at some point to be Ojimbo to Kachiko and basically took the fortress back by herself, (laughs) essentially, and rescued Kachiko. So that's the the keep of the white sails and the battle that's involved with that.
0: During their uh, conversation, in the middle of this terrifying battle, Yoritomo mentions, my people were divided before my father gave them purpose. There's a few stories about Yoritomo's father, uh, depending on which version of the law you're talking about. Uh, He was a very ambitious man, even the cost of his family. But from the sounds of things, Yoritomo is giving his father the credit for bringing the mantis together in presumably they were scattered amongst the islands and having a lot of, were seeing themselves not as one one force. And Euron's father apparently <laughs> brought them all together.
1: So, uh, one of the things that also divided the mantis and the crane was, other than the keep of the right sails that they refer to, is or at least Yoritoma thinks about, is that he showed up the crane at their own winter court. So this is from the role-playing game module Winter's Embrace. That is not a spoiler. It's on the back of the box. But the Mantis Wrangle, an invitation to the uh, Winter's Court of 1122 for mantis shenanigans. Now, you could read this as them being successful in their fantasy shenanigans. In either event, Yoritomo thinks he was successful in his fantasy shenanigans, I think just by being disruptive and annoying, but
0: <laughs> I, I honestly, yes, I can absolutely see, you know, you didn't succeed, you were just annoying. Yaha-men, we succeeded. <laughs> very Yoritomo.
1: That is very Yoritomo.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, you could argue that the mantis only exist because crane courtiers advised mercy after their ancestors' treachery. The ancestor in question is Gusai Roshida. He had attempted a coup and held the emperor's son hostage. The ruling Gusai family was killed, but the clan as a whole was allowed to remain, which was down to, you know, crane intervention.
1: Yeah, so at least Daidoji Uji believes stated that, and Yuritama doesn't argue when when he answers this, that uh, the only reason the clan was not disbanded after its ruling family, the Gusai, kidnapped the emperor's son and tried to stage an imperial coup was because uh, the doji courtiers pleaded for leniency. So, you know, that's a pretty bad thing to do. So that's why Uji thinks it. Um, Also, the Crane had paid Mantis as mercenaries for a lot of the history and was the major trading partner and uh, financial support for the Mantis in the Empire. It should be noted that it's very likely that the Crane were paying the Mantis as mercenaries to fight pirates. At the same time, the Mantis were being pirates. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, it makes it very easy for the Mantis <laughs> to um, defeat the pirates when they are the pirates. So
0: There is a, possibly a typo incidentally around right about here, because what the, the text says, the tip of the sword, in this case, the tip scraped across your thigh, cutting the silk, before the blades on his forearm found Pertus in the wooden shaft. That's almost certainly Uji's thigh in context. Because later on, he's he is injured. And mm-hmm. I don't think that Yoritomo has blades on his forearms.
1: But, uh, yeah, Uchi, among all of his other pointy objects, has... Uh, he
0: is just Batman, isn't he? He is totally like... <laughs> he's got little crane-shaped throwing knives.
1: Yeah, but he's got um, spikes or, or blades on his uh, you know, vambraces. braces. That he can use. Because he's not pointy enough. No, <laughs> he's he totally is, shredded.
0: He's he either Batman or he's shredder. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's see. Um, there is... So when Uji is pretty badly hurt, he realizes he's not going to be able to be the one to go take down um, Akuma. He, he he doesn't have enough left to, to get that close. So he gives... Yuritomo Asansuri, which is a little token, uh, a netsuke, which is like a, a bead, a bit bigger than bead, but that's what it looks like. Token of a tortoise, a little tortoise in its shell, made of agar wood. So these items are made by the Asahina artisans. Uh, they're generally one-time-use magic objects, carvings or... Things like that. Mr. Denton picked a good one symbolically. So a tortoise is a symbol of defense and longevity. It's a perfect symbol to like take the first blow of something. And Mm-mm. that makes complete sense that it would do that. Yeah. Right. Then it is also made of agar wood. It doesn't say very much about this, but agar wood is interesting. It's originally from Vietnam, known as the wood of the gods. And it is extremely rare and extremely expensive. The tree that agar wood comes from is not in and of itself particularly precious, though it is very rare because people are trying to all get agar wood. But if you just took a regular tree and cut the wood, it's there's nothing special about it, right? It's just a pale white wood. However, when the agar wood tree is injured by insects or fungi or otherwise damaged, it produces a very, very aromatic resin that infuses the wood from the inside. Uh, it fills the gaps and it infuses the wood. And it makes that wood very dark and very strongly scented, uh, a very musky, sweet odor. And it's this resin-infused wood that is the precious agar wood. So in order to use it, you have to you know, cut down the tree that's been damaged to see how much the damage is. You can see why this is very rare. You have to pick out all the parts of the wood that are resin infused. It's not the whole tree. It's just a a little part of it. And then that agar wood can be carved into things like turtles or necklaces or bracelets. or, Or it can be burned as incense or pressed and turned into a very valuable perfume. So agarwood today is critically endangered, especially wild, naturally forming agarwood. And you can see why it's so precious and rare when you look at what they have to do to get the perfume out. And and basically, you know, it's only like 2% of all the trees actually have this damage that can get yeah, into yeah. this thing. So it's really kind of cool, I thought. Some, something I didn't know. So I love researching things for this podcast.
0: Yeah, you find, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff that, that's out there you can find. So in the final part of the, the fiction, Bayushi Yojido says that Akuma is capable of confusing people's senses, which means he's able to hide, despite the fact he's the size of a small hill, <laughs> which is obviously a problem because they want to find him and stop him. And he brings out the Yogo Jite, which apparently can reveal these things. Now, I believe this is a new law, because it used to just be the Jitte used by the head of the Black Watch, which is the scorpion order for hunting down Mahotsukai and other tainted evildoers. According to Yojiro, this is awakened by Soshi Saibankan, known to be a fair and wise judge back in the day, long time ago. He was actually the person who put together the first codified imperial laws during the reign of the second emperor, the Shining Prince Genji. So he's very, very instrumental to the development of law enforcement in the empire. Um, This was done by Doji Hatsuo, who was the Emerald Champion of the time. So he was the one who said, we need a proper imperial law enforcement. So... Hatsuo built up the Imperial Legions, and Saibankan built the Emerald Magistrates to administer the law. And He also became the Fortune of Judges, which is an interesting thing for a scorpion.
1: <laughs> Legend
0: has it, once he retired, he immediately went to the scorpion and said, you know all those laws I just made? Here's how to get by them, and here are all the loopholes, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the Jite reveals the hidden. I don't know whether that's any hidden thing, or specifically... Shadowlands thing. But I suspect we're going to find out one way or the other. So this is a big thing to kind of hand over to non-Scorpion.
1: Yep. So that's a lot of lore. So that's that fiction. See. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, it, there's some, a lot of interesting things. Uh, you know, the Dragon Clan vouching for the Scorpion Clan is, you know, I, I wonder how it's going to affect the two. Um, in mm. So the dragon and the scorpion traditionally had something of a relationship because the scorpion yeah. would do very bad things for reasons the rest of the Empire didn't know. And the dragon would know and uh, or yeah. would be able to figure it out and would be mysterious and say, I understand mm. your mysterious things and therefore I will support you even though you're doing bad things. Um yes. So that's sort of a little bit going on here. Uh, This Mm -hmm. alliance between Scorpion and Dragon went for a long time.
0: Yeah, I I think in many ways it was kind of the – the dragon always do the unexpected thing. And so they were the only ones who treated the scorpion, the official sneaky bad guys of of the game. They're the only ones who seem to like them. And it's like, that's really weird and enigmatic. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of what the dragon would do. I also feel there's a kind of a parallel between this and the thing that happened with the Spider Clan in Old Law, mm-hmm. because when the Spider Clan became a great clan, yeah, you know, the, the Spider Clan. For those who don't know, they were lost samurai, those who had been fallen to the Shadowlands. They wanted, to, instead of destroying the Empire, they wanted to take it over and rule it. But due to external forces trying to destroy Rock Gang. Uh, Daigotsu, the leader of the Spider Clan, went. No one will destroy the Rockian except me. And so he actually was on the forces of of again, And so at the end, it was like, okay, we'll become part of the Empire. And like, no one liked this. But the Dragon Clan stepped up, or I can't remember if they stepped up or they were told. But you bring them into the Empire. You make them, you know, you guide them into becoming an actual part of our society. So, this kind of feels like a parallel. I don't know if that's deliberate, but there, there's a kind of a parallel because the Scorpion Clan, what with Baishi, shows you saying, I have now taken over the Empire, mwaha, and I'm allied with the Shadowlands, mwaha, and someone give me some mustaches to twirl. <laughs> so, in order to rehabilitate them, the Dragon Clan are now stepping up and saying, We will vouch for them. And they're, they're, it just feels like a parallel.
1: Possibly. Eugiris sees it as years or even a generation of enforced humility. And this does what Shouju wanted for the Scorpion clan in the end, which is to get the Scorpion back in the shadows, back where they belong, where they can do what they need to do without being the face of everything and everyone.
0: It allows them to be underestimated.
1: Underestimated, but also it does keep them humble, so the Scorpion has the full toolkit. They can do all the things that a noble, honorable clan can do right now. And all the things that a dishonorable, you know, sneaky, sneaky clan can do. And it is very easy to let the power of that get to you. You think you could do everything. You, can, you know, you're better at everything because you do have both sides of the, the toolkit. And, and the other people have willingly for the most part, forsworn the, yeah, you know, I'm going to be bad side of the, the toolkit. Mm. I mean, some might do it, but as a whole. And yeah, yeah, so um, this gets them back to, instead of thinking, I could use the whole toolkit and do all of this and put myself on top, is that I can use this second part of the toolkit just to make sure those uh, individuals that are going to tap into the same area don't stick their head up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So acting back in the shadows, which is what they should be doing, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also looking at this and saying, is this more evidence that Tokashi Yokuni is the Togashi? There is a, a moment where Yojiro when he's handing over the the jite, he's like, did those tattoos on his arms just move? <laughs> which is very interesting. I mean, admittedly, that could just be a, a Togashi champion thing. But there is also that reference to Togashi's duel in the scroll, which implies that Togashi himself is still around to do the duel, but there is still room for this to be a reincarnation rather than Togashi's been alive all this time. There's a lot of options, but you could also see this as yet more evidence that Togashi Yukini is the Togashi. Mm -hmm. I just had a final thought when I was literally while we were going through this of a potential rpg campaign which is a mantis reunification in the time of Eurotoma's father <laughs> because if if what yoritoma is saying is correct you would have that yeah you know, there wouldn't really be a mantis clan anymore they'd been scattered because their leading family had been killed a long time ago and they're all scattered on different islands and some of them are just straight up pirates and some of them just living on their island and some of them are selling themselves as mercenaries and some of them are just doing other things and Euro Thomas father apparently brings them all together. And that sounds like that could be an interesting time to run a campaign. (laughs) If you're going to run a mantis campaign, that sounds like an interesting time.
1: That could be an interesting campaign, but we look forward to more to come. Yeah. See how this wraps up. See why certain people are there that we didn't expect to get there. Um, and in the end, uh, watch it. Even if even if my faves have dropped out, I'm sure that it will be an awesome, awesome mm, end. Sad. But that's it for us this Absolutely.
0: week. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Uh, we wanted to give out a call out to our Court Games n- Network, including the L5R LCG podcast, which is going to be on hold for a while. Our Live Talk from Tokyo podcast, which is called uh, Tokyo Tokyo's the Five Rings. And it may, it's also on hold, but I, you know, I've i heard some news on that, so we shall see where that goes. And our two actual play role-playing podcasts, Crimson Gold, Agonies, and Fortune and Strife, which are proceeding at their own paces. We also have our friends at D20 Radio who have a lot of other Genesis uh, and other RPG podcast for you to listen to if you liked this one
0: our content is funded by the community discord patreon and that supports our editing costs as well as our website hosting costs where you can find all sorts of long-term information summaries of podcasts forums rpg tools and much much more
1: i did want to take a moment to shout out our new patreons ah yes we do have a, a number of patrons. so to mike sterling thank you for uh coming and listening to our show uh thank you to sean ferguson we appreciate your patronage and thank you very much to diogo salazar for supporting our show too we uh, you know and there's been a couple more so uh call out the rest of them next time so thank you
0: yep thank you all very much this it really does help us keep going so if you want to help us keep going do come visit our patreon you can find us online at coregamespod.com which is our main website on twitter we are twitter.com slash coregamespod and on patreon we are patreon.com slash coregames and for our patrons we have special bonus content like adventure seeds early access to our ap podcasts and more
1: but that is us that is it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. This is Kikita Kayori. May the fortunes favor you.
0: And I have been Corvar, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy.